Welcome to the LaughSpin.com podcast. Hey guys, what's up? And welcome to another episode of the Laugh Spin Podcast. My name is Dylan Godino, and I'm the editor of LaughSpin.com, your home for comedy news, reviews, interviews, and more. Hopefully, it's your home for all those things. Each week on the Laugh Spin Podcast, if you don't know, myself and co-host Mike deliver what we'd like to describe as a comedy news digest, an extension of LaughSpin.com, if you will. And sometimes we record special episodes of the Laugh Spin Podcast, and that's what we've done with this episode. This features my interview with comedian Jim Gaffigan. I spoke with Jim recently because he's written his very first book. It's called Dad is Fat, and it's out in stores in online May 7th. It's all about his life as a husband and father of five kids while living in a two-bedroom walk-up in New York City. Five kids. He and his wife, Jeannie, have a newborn. They have a one-year-old, a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. Two girls, three boys. And um, one of the things I really love about this book is that it's not exactly an advice book. Jim basically lays out what his experiences are, how he deals with certain things, and when he feels it's relevant, he'll, he'll offer some helpful suggestions. Another thing I like about the book is that even if you're not a parent, maybe you're just a fan of Jim Gaffigan, you'll still get something out of it because it's just, it's just plain funny. And on a personal level, as a father of two boys, I have a four-year-old and a nearly two-year-old, I found it comforting just to, just to read about another guy's experiences and about some of the difficulties of being a father, especially the guilt. He writes a bit about the guilt in the book, and we talk a bit about that in this interview. In addition to parenting, though, we talk about many other things in this interview. Comedy, of course, religion. We talk a little bit about religion. That gets pretty interesting. Life on the road as a touring comic and much more so. Let me take this time to thank Jim Gaffigan for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. I really do. And I want to thank you guys for, for, uh, for tuning in to the Last Spin Podcast. Let's get to the interview, shall we? What were we talking about? Yes, I'm, I'm Italian. Uh, and from Italy. From Italy. That's why you have the accent. From Italy. I grew up in an olive garden in Italy. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why I have the accent. Um, <clears throat> yeah, grew up Catholic, but not, you know, my, my parents were not very good at making it seem super important. Right. Which I'm totally down with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're what? Jeannie's, she's, she's, she's very Catholic. She's into it. <clears throat> and I, um, I, you know, I think I came around. I used to describe myself as, you know, like I used to kind of like, you know, I'm a former Catholic, da, da, da. And now it's almost, I don't know if it's a contrarian spirit in me. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm a Catholic. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> contrarian against your former self? Well, or against the, the, the trend of intellectualism being tied to atheism. Right. I'm like, you know what? I don't know. And you know what? I, I, I could be the beneficiary of a lot of mercy. And so therefore, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go in. You'll take a stab. On okay. The team. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe at some point I'll come around as well. You will. You will. I uh, promise. Uh, this conversation's all about that. Are you trying to, this is, trying this is what scares me about you. it, Jim. <laughs> You're trying to, the other day, these people came to our, our house with, um, a pamphlet. They were not, yeah. I assume they were, um, what do you call them? Jehovah's Witnesses Jehovah's or Witness. something. What? Like, I wouldn't know. Well, you're a religious freak. Are they <laughs> friends of yours, Jim? Yeah. But I, 
so my wife answered the door and she took the pamphlet and she was like, oh, okay, thanks. And I gave them the pamphlet back because I don't, I don't want to encourage people. I mean, outside of me not wanting to deal. You realize giving the pamphlet back, that's not going to get you a show on MSNBC, right? Yes. Yes. Right. I, I do realize that. Right. Um, but when you break it down, it's, it's, it's a little scary because they, they know where you live now. Like, well, I think they knew where you lived beforehand. That's why they gave you the... Why is there some some massive... Here's the reality. The reality <laughs> is is that people try and find meaning everywhere. Absolutely. Whether it's in a fortune cookie, an astrology symbol, a yoga class, mm-hmm. an Us Weekly. And so if some people find it in religion, that doesn't necessarily disqualify them. And I think that there's a modern day view that they're nutbags. Right. When the reality is, is most people are nutbags. And some of the logic is that like religious people, there's this history of corruption for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that doesn't necessarily have to do with religion. That has to do with human beings. It's like we're sitting in a country that we stole from the Native Americans and... You know, I still am a proud American because I love Jesus in America. <laughs> no, but do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. I mean, there's that's why I think it's a contrarian thing because there's part of me that is. It's like no, I'm. You know, I feel as though the entertainment industry, in some ways, says, "Here's what you're supposed to believe," and my instinct is like, no. You know, it's you know, if I listened to kind of social peer pressure, I would still be in a town of 3,000 people in Indiana. Right. And that's why I'm running for senator. <laughs> I have where, where, where religion aggravates me is when I don't care that these people handing out pamphlets are religious. Yeah. Yeah. I care that they're coming to my home right. and trying to make me join their religion. If, well, it's absurd when you think that that would work. Yeah, like we're sitting there going, you know what? I I probably would be a Jehovah's Witness if someone would come to my door <laughs> and interrupt me when I'm in the bathroom taking a shit. Right, and and that's and that's what bothers me because nine times out of ten, or nine point nine times out of ten, they're not going to convince someone to come to their church. But that one percent, or that less than one percent of people that they do visit are going to are going to join them and that person is going to be and this is not and i'm not saying this in a disparaging way because we are all damaged and i'm damaged and you're damaged and we're all damaged in different ways but that person is going to be very damaged and that's not right that you are preying on you know your shooting percentage is going to be bad but once you hit a shot that person is going to come with you and 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 you're you're gonna you're gonna take advantage of that person's weak state. I understand what you're saying, but this is human behavior, right? Human behavior is constantly what you know. We both have children. Yeah. The children from a very early age are manipulating you, trying to get a movie or dessert. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you can sit there and say, "Oh, religion does all these horrible things," mm-hmm. and I agree with you. But I also would say. So do the commercials for HBO. Yeah. They convince you that watching some show is the highlight of your life. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a false promise. But I fall victim to it. You know, it's like 
look, I love, um, I love a lot of different types of food, but we are the victim of, uh, you know, uh, a brainwashed consumerism that did not exist a hundred years ago. It was kind of implanted after World War II. Like it's, it's not about just having the needs that we require for day to day. It's like we need to have newer things and better things, and that's what's you know is that as bad as religion i know that religion people are like i can't believe we're talking about religion it's like how to alienate half your audience no i this is good this is but um i'm just saying that like <laughs> human beings bad you know um idealistic um well-intended thoughts good that's my belief yeah and and i uh, I'm with you, and like I, I, you know, I've as I've as I've gotten older, I've become less and less, uh, you know, active in my, uh, you know, anti-religion yeah. thought process. Now I'm at the point where it's just it's just not part of it's just not part of my life. It's you know, yeah. yeah no, well, I remember. I mean, I used to, when growing up in Indiana. I worked in a grocery store, and there were a lot of born-again Christians that worked in the grocery store that every day would try and talk to me about Jesus and being saved mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And it drove me crazy. Like, I was, you know, I really resented it. And so, but just because I dislike their behavior doesn't discount, you know, don't call it a religion. Call it a philosophy. It's like the golden rule. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, what's wrong with the golden rule? Treat others as Nothing. you want to be treated. Right? I, I, so it's, you know, I mean, I'm not smart enough to probably have this conversation. I'm sure there's people listening going, Gaffigan's an idiot. <laughs> but I'm just, you know, and maybe it's because, you know, but I just, I believe in a lot more gray than yeah. people think. You know, people think, oh, it's. It's either black or white. It's either, you know, Drudge Report or Huffington Post. It's like there's a lot more gray. Sure. And uh, that's why I'm running for senator. That's I'm, I'm going to vote for you. Yeah. I'm going to move to to wherever you live. Yeah. Register. Yeah. And vote for Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Why not? Whatever. Yeah. Whatever makes people happy. As long as as long as you're not hurting anybody. Of course. Then... As long as you're, you know, and as long as it's not associated with intolerance, too. I mean. Right. There's a certain amount of intolerance where I just, you know, come on, you know, it's like, do we, you know, it's, do we really care if someone's about sex, someone's sexual orientation? I mean, I did this pilot for CBS. I'm bragging. No, I'm doing. I did this pilot, <laughs> and there's a transgendered character in it. Yeah. And I, I suppose on the surface, that could be viewed as a stunt, but. Some of it is like, you know, what we consider our biases that we're dealing with today. It's like our children will think that we're very biased. Yeah. You know, it's just inherent to every generation. And I do think that, you know, obviously gays should be allowed to get married and all that shit. But it's like, you know, you know, transgender people, it's not like they're choosing to switch genders. Right. Do you know what I mean? So where's our empathy there? And then also it's like, when people make jokes about midgets or little people, I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, and believe me, I have, I'm sure I have stuff in my act where people are like, that is, you know, uh, hateful towards good looking people or something like that. <laughs> but I think that there's, 
you know, we're always learning about this, but we should be a little bit more compassionate in this, in that there's, you know, just because someone is Republican doesn't make them the most evil person on the planet. I just, I guess because I grew up in a red state. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm Democrat, I'm liberal, but I'm far more understanding of someone who has republican views Mm -hmm. it's like i get it i don't agree necessarily but i get it yeah and i think that's good that you have that experience uh so this this pilot for cbs yeah is this is a current thing or yeah it's a current thing and as you know it's an absolute long shot sure and uh this is this is the one you sold a while a while ago or did uh, you send a second did you do yeah my my wife and i we did a one with nbc Right, and then we did a script with NBC, and then um, Peter Tolan and I and my wife uh, sold one to CBS, and we shot the pilot here um, around this neighborhood, and then it goes into testing, and it's a long shot. I mean, yeah, it's weird. So this this is the one based on your life yeah like the last show was about me having four kids and then this show was about me having five kids (laughs) and if it doesn't get picked up then the next show will be about me having six sure sure so sure but i don't know you know it's you know i think that uh it gets to a point where you just want creative fulfillment as corny as that sounds and you also want to be able to do things that you know, you're excited to do and not embarrassed of. And so I'm proud of the pilot. I think it's funny. So if it doesn't get picked, I'd rather do something that I like that doesn't get picked up than do something that makes me cringe that gets picked up. Right. Because you're not in a position, you know, at this stage in the game, you're not in the position where, you know, if this doesn't get picked up, you're going to spiral into a, into a years long depression and, and right. I've so, I've dealt with enough rejection. Right. You've I've, you've I've had enough of those years. You've spiraled of enough. Yeah. I mean, I say that. Hopefully I don't freak out. <laughs> but, you know, you kind of there's a there's a callus that, you know, the calluses that develop in dealing with rejection because there's Well, you would have to. Else you'd be a you'd you'd be a, a puddle. You'd yeah. Be a puddle. And you, I think, you couldn't be a comic? Yeah, I think well, I think that actors ha- have to deal with more rejection than comedians. I think comedians at least get to pursue their their art and there's some kind of control, whereas actors just sit around waiting uh, for the opportunity to audition. Yeah. And there's nothing, you know, auditioning is, it's like stripping, except for you don't get a dollar, <laughs> you know. And I've done, I've stripped, mm-hmm. you know, not on stage or anything like that, just outside of a Victoria's Secret, but just, they didn't let me in. Really? No. You would think they would reward you or, or they'd want to get you out of the public eye and just yeah. bring you in. No, they just ignored me. That's not right. So who else, who else was in this pilot? Um, my wife was played by Mira Sorvino. Really? Yeah. And um, my five children were played by my five children. And then um, my, pres- my son's preschool teacher was Janine Garofalo. And um, uh, we were interviewing at a school where one of the women that worked at the school was Marina Franklin. Oh, nice. And we also, I uh, went to a cupcake shop where uh, 
Hari, I'm going to butcher his last name. Kandabolu. Yeah. He worked at the cupcake shop. Really? I don't get any... Good job, Dylan. That was amazing. That was a pretty... Um, well, I should know it. <laughs> I should know it, but my short-term memory is just non-existent. And then, um, and then Jessica Kirsten uh, had a very funny role in That's it. That's an amazing cast. Yeah, it's a good cast. Let's right? get this thing made. Well, you know, we'll see. <laughs> it's weird, because there's also something about podcasts where you listen to it and you're like... All right, is this really his personality, or is he just kind of putting it on like the false modesty? Like, gosh, gee, I don't know, Dylan. I'm just so happy to be, you know. But there is something you really don't know with TV shows. Yeah, you don't. And I really am, uh, you know, very lucky, you know, to get a shot at that. Yeah, I mean, uh, for anybody listening who thinks Jim is being uh, uh, false or, or not true in his, in his modesty. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a long shot. I mean, your pilot has been made and so has, I don't know, a dozen other comedy pilots just for CBS. Right. And that's, that's just one, that's just one network. And, you know, I don't, I'm not super familiar with the other pilots going down at CBS specifically, but then you get into the point, you, you get into the, to the, into the, to the realm where you're competing against, you know, quote unquote, um, you know, celebrity pilots where yes. not that you are, Rob, no, not that you Robin aren't. Williams has a pilot. That's right. Yeah. And, so, I mean, um, the, the <laughs> creator of, uh, two and a half men who all, Chuck Lorre, Chuck who Lurie. also did Mike and Molly, who also did big bang theory, right. Is doing another, is doing a pilot with Anna Ferris. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so, Alice and Janney. So yeah. the competition <laughs> is pretty severe. Yeah. By the time you get to pilot season, it's it's already stacked. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, it's you know the quote unquote celebrity pilots. You know, they don't. A lot of them, a lot of those don't get made either. So, right. um, you know, you never know. You you never know. But um, that would be, and and that would probably give you. You'd be on. Um, I guess you'd be on the road a little bit less if that gets, yeah, picked up and. Um, you'd be working, of course. I mean, it's it's give and take, I guess. You'd be on the road less, but you'd also be um, away during the day. A, yeah, working a lot, more. a lot more. Yeah. I mean, as a father, I mean, you're a father. There's mm-hmm. a balancing act that you want to accomplish where, I mean, the one thing you can't, I mean, I, I think that fatherhood is, it's it's a, it's a pretty improbable task, but... I do think that you don't want to look back and go, geez, what was I doing Yeah, going out of town to just do that extra gig when my son needed me to hang around him? And so the balancing act is, you know, if this TV show doesn't go, um, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough that when I travel and do stand-up, it's, it's just theaters on weekends so it's like saturday sometimes friday and saturday right whereas if this tv show goes i'm probably going to be working like 16 hours a day which is does not contribute to great parenting skills no and which is uh not a good thing you know so if it doesn't go i'm like all right you know uh good i'm gonna be be able to take my kids to soccer right you know and uh but it's, as you know, it's a balancing act, right? And some of it is like, as a creative person, you need some of this time alone to work on things and uh, 
that time alone means that you're not having that time alone with your kids. And so it's a balancing act. But I would love to do the show. Yeah. There's a lot of... Um you talk about it uh, in your in your book. And by the way, Jim does have a book uh, out. When's it coming out? May 7th. May 7th. Okay. So depending on when you're listening to this, it's either, it's either out or it's about to come out May 7th. It's called Dad is Fat. Uh, and you talk a little bit about um, the, the concept of guilt yeah. in, in the book. And that's something that really that I really enjoyed reading. I enjoyed reading the whole thing uh, mainly because I, I, I mean, the reason I love stand-up comedy so much is, uh, you know, and, and this might sound corny or, or obvious is, or is that, you know, there, there's that, there's that connection. There's that, Hey, here's a guy on stage talking about something that I too experience and I feel bad about experiencing it, yeah. but he's experiencing it and it's okay because we're both, shitty people or we're right. we're right we're both this way and so this this book especially uh i mean it's it's about you and your wife raising your your five kids and uh you know there there's there's a lot of parts in it that i i just it, just, it was just very comforting for me to read but yeah. uh the parts on on guilt uh, really hit home because it's everything you know i feel guilty for being being here of and i course. and and i feel guilty that i mean my wife and and i hate that this is a, a true that this um stereotype is is true that the woman usually does more work than than right. than the right. husband and I can't, I can't make believe that I'm capable of doing as much as my wife can do. We are, and I don't want it to sound like a rationalization, but I, I really believe guys are wired differently. Yeah. And I, I, I can't. I mean, dogs and cats are different too. I mean, I mean, look, I appreciate what you're saying yeah. and I agree with you. There is something discomforting about this notion that women are better at parenting yeah. or nurturing or comforting and, and, and instinctively they do it. But the reality is, is that we are animals <laughs> and we are two different types of animals. And that's not to say that we don't aspire to make it equal. We don't aspire to, you know, obviously equal pay for women and all that stuff. But, it, you know, I'm very resigned to the fact that women have an enormous advantage. Not all. Mm -hmm. And not, and I'm not excluding all men. Right. I'm talking about me. Mm -hmm. That most, from what I've observed, most women are much better at parenting than guys. Mm -hmm. And that's some of my point of view. And I feel guilty about that. I mean, I have that chapter about vice president because being right. a dad is kind of like being a vice president. Like, mm -hmm. you're an authority figure, but you're deferential to your to your spouse or your partner and um and that's that's not laziness on my part that's kind of like a practical reality of how to manage things and i think that there's something about um the guilt that it's strange because as a man you know we're kind of you know or, or forget man you know as an individual i'm kind of like this go-getter I'm kind of like assertive. Yeah. You know, I can be a nudge. But I know instinctively when it comes to parenting situations that I should be deferential to my wife because she knows more. Right. And her instincts are less, you know, 
caveman like than mine <laughs> you know and so but i don't know i mean i'm sure that you know maybe in generations that won't be the case but i think that maybe it's you know uh you know sexism that's been kind of enforced over centuries and so it's going to take us a while for that to even out but there's a nurturing thing that yeah. i think men don't instinctively have it i mean we love our kids yeah but there's um i don't know you know having five kids i've seen myself evolve completely yeah from the first kid to the fifth kid and just you know i talk about it you know it's i mean it's beyond equal in a lot of ways now it's you know we have a, a 20 month old baby and we have a six month old baby and so essentially i joke around and i say the 20 month old that i'm a single dad because i'm in charge of him right you know pretty much you know all night definitely because my wife is breastfeeding our six month old right and so i'm definitely up to the skill set but i've had to learn that and right. it's it's been environmental but i also individually i was never a babysitter or a camp counselor right i didn't be like yeah let me uh play with my nephews and nieces right i mean i was a mediocre uncle i loved my nephews and nieces right but it was kind of yeah i'll take them to dairy queen sure you know yeah you weren't yeah yeah and, and i'm i was the same way i never i never really liked kids i never <laughs> yeah. liked being no, around I them i don't think i did i never changed a diaper before right. you know but it just but there's a switch that happens when it's your kid. Well, yeah, because... And that's not arrogance. I think that's biological. Yeah. That's why supposedly babies look like the dad, because in caveman times, the dad would eat the baby. Interesting. Yeah. And they're not that good tasting. <laughs> I mean, not that I've eaten. I, I, I ate one. Well, but, you know, you, yeah. you can't... I mean, you live in a two-bedroom apartment. You yes. can't... And, you know, enough's enough. Yeah. I don't want to walk all the way to the refrigerator. That's... <laughs> Jim, you talked about eating a baby on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you would talk about that. <laughs> I was trying to be funny. It wasn't funny. It was just weird. Um, it's okay. We can... But the guilt, how do you deal with the guilt? <sighs> I don't... I, I try to... Uh, I try to um, compensate in other ways that I'm comfortable I try to do things that I'm I'm slightly out of my comfort zone doing yeah and I try to to do those things and I and this this is another thing that's stereotypical of guys and you know unfortunately I think is is sort of true my wife will do 10 things yeah. during the day yeah. Uh, maybe it's, you know, cleaning something or maybe she cooks something or taking the kid to the park or yeah. something like that. I will do three things. Yeah. And I will need her to know that I did <laughs> yeah. those yeah. three things. And and that comes that's born of insecurity. That's yeah. like, you know, please, I, I want you to think that I'm doing something uh, mm. that that's 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 worth something. And the thing is, is she is so not on my ass. She's right, not like right, one of right. these wives that are like on my ass, like right. at all. And right. I still feel guilty. So yeah. I, I can't even imagine. And maybe that's why I feel guilty. Maybe if I had a wife who was a complete nag, I wouldn't feel guilty about not doing things. I think it's a generational thing too. Yeah. I think that we saw, I mean, it, there was a big shift that occurred when we were growing up mm -hmm. where, you know, 
the Phil Donahue kind of era of, um, you know, Dr. Phil kind of touchy-feely men embracing emotions, men getting involved in parenting. It, you know, I'm older than you, but my my dad, I was talking to my brother about this because what I say in the book is, you know, my dad did nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he brought home the 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 bacon. And right. by the way, he didn't cook the bacon. He didn't put the bacon on the table. <laughs> right. He didn't clean up afterwards. He, right. he, he didn't even buy the bacon. <laughs> he just, he, he somehow provided some of the money. He ate the bacon. Right. But anyway, it's not that my dad didn't do anything. It's that he didn't feel guilty. And mm-hmm. that I have actually two slings. I have a summer sling and I have a winter sling to carry babies around because we have so many of them. And I feel guilty all the time. But I think that some of it is an awareness of parental responsibility mm-hmm. and the fact that it doesn't become it it's not instinct instinctive for some of us. Right. This is probably the most boring thing for some No, I mean here. I'm uh, no. But it's I, it's part of the evolution. We feel guilt because we're we're be, maybe in a few generations we're we're you know my sons are going to be you know the husbands and uh, and fathers that I wanted to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the I don't watch Mad Men, but I think some yeah. of the appeal of Mad Men among the many appeals is <laughs> the shock and horror of how men behaved. Though. Yeah. And and I'm not just talking about the flandering or the the consumption of alcohol and smoking. It's just the, I mean, back in the 50s and 60s, the heyday of the white male yeah. was just unbelievable. It was like Rome. Like people watch it. Like it might as well be that Rome miniseries. They're like, <laughs> really, men did that? <laughs> you know, there was that kind of homophobia that existed then Mm. and so we're kind of aware and we're almost kind of we've i mean at least for me some of the guilt is i felt an you know i've seen myself mess up and fail enough times and i just you know i'm not smart enough to you know when i go to a parent teacher conference there's a little bit of you know you know it's it's there's so many different topics it gets so messy but it's a strange guilt. And, you know, I've always, I've been someone who's been in touch with guilt. You know, I talked about the Catholic guilt mm-hmm. and there's something about parental guilt where it is just, it's powerful. I'm about to go out of town for five days and I'm going to feel like shit most of those days. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I didn't have a lot of guilt before. I, I definitely had a lot of guilt, but uh, I don't know. It's weird because there's just now, never do ending. You, do you t- now, do you... Do you kind of open up about, do you talk to your wife about you feeling guilty? Yeah, there's pretty, I mean, you know, my wife and I, Jeannie, who you know, I mean, obviously we do everything together. Yeah, yeah. You know, we write together and she coaches me in acting and and obviously we have these kids together. So there's an ongoing conversation and as a parent, these are there's these conversations you have to have about your child, you know, where just from a parent-teacher conference, and I'm not talking about, you know, I joke around in the book that like parent-teacher conferences in nursery school, it's like, it's either like serial killer or not serial killer. (laughs) Right, right, right. But there is something about each of these children that 
you know, you're planning, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of like the boss in some ways. You're like, how do we make sure that they succeed? And so there's, it's an ongoing conversation where I will say, you know, I feel, you know, it's like, I I feel so bad that I'm out of town doing this and I'm going to miss, like, I'm going to miss my daughter's chorus recital. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I can only imagine, but I mean, my, my brothers, you know, they're working, you know, they work crazy hours. The irony about being a comedian is that I probably end up spending more time with my kids than if I had a nine to five job. Cause you know, I get done with putting them to bed and then most often I go out and do shows. Right. That's not to say that I get up bushy eyed and right. you know, I get up bright and early, <laughs> but there is something about uh, it all works out, you know, and I've taken my kids to soccer every Wednesday and stuff like that. So right. it works all right. So what, run me through a typical day of you in town. You you get up at, at, at what time do you get up? I would say that I get up usually, I mean, there's no consistency, okay. right? Because sometimes I'll have press, sometimes I'll have a flight, sometimes okay. I'll have uh, a parent-teacher conference, sometimes... I'll have to go into school with one of the kids for some other reason to. So I would say, uh, you know, like today I got up at 10. Okay. Okay. But talk about feeling guilty. It's like, so at 10, I have three kids that went to school. Mm -hmm. I have a almost two year old that I could have taken to the park because it was a beautiful day today. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) And then I have a baby, but if to put it in perspective, we have to flash back to last night. So last night, I I did shows. I did Whiplash and I did The Stand. And so then I get home at midnight. Mm-hmm. Talk to Jeannie and I. Talk. Patrick's awake. Mm-hmm. The baby. He's the he's the youngest. He's the youngest. Okay. Then Michael wakes up. Then Katie second, wakes second up. youngest. Michael's the twenty month old. He's the twenty month old. Okay. Then my three year old wakes up with okay. a nightmare. Okay. So <laughs> I spend we Jeannie and I both spend the next couple hours kind of getting them back down. And of course, the six month old, he's you know, it's ongoing. Sure. You know, we're not really putting him down. No. And so we uh so that probably occurred until three in the morning. Oh dear God. Okay. So in different forms. And I woke up this morning. Of course, I wake up at 6.45, 7, because my daughter Katie is then back in our bed. Okay. she's come in our room. And Katie's three? Three. Three, okay. Three. So, there's um, something about, you know, the 10 a.m. wake-up time where I feel kind of guilty about it, but I also know that uh, me on no sleep, no one would want to be around me. Right. It's just, it's not a good idea. And my wife totally gets that. Yeah. And so... Who takes them... Now, who took them to school? The ones that go to school? They... Well, my wife gets up with them. Okay. You know, and she was up with me last night, too. Right. So, she gets <laughs> up with them. My two daughters go to school on the Upper East Side. Right. And they go... Um, they uh, go in a car that that we've set up. Okay. And then my son goes to a school in Chelsea. 
and he goes with a friend of ours who has a uh, fourth grader in that school in the morning. Okay. And so then pickups are a whole different thing. Well, my daughter Katie ends at 12. Mm -hmm. And then my daughter Mari ends at 3. And then my son ends at 3. And then it's all kind of like... Um, but usually I'm supposed to do everything and then we have dinner at five and then that's we, like a set. That's a, that's a set five o'clock. We try and do it five. That's Sometimes great. it's later. And then we slam into homework, reading baths. And then often I'll have a spot at say eight. Right. So it's five to seven thirty. It's just like chaos. And then I'll go out and do a spot. Sometimes I'll do a spot, come back. And a couple of them are still awake, so then I'll be able to do bedtime with them. <laughs> right. And then, but if I have more shows, it's different. Yeah. But sometimes I get up at 7 and uh, at 6.45 and I'll go with my daughters to school or I'll take my son to school or I'll take my other son to the park. It's, you know, it's never ideal. But it's because I did this interview for um the sunday new york times where it's like what's your sunday like and i'm like it's never the same Mm -hmm. so am i coming from out of town because one of the things i always do this is all so boring it's never going to end up in it did you tell did you tell the sunday new york times that part of your sunday is to read the sunday new york times i did not that a boy jim and we have a different section that we love I love the, the arts. <laughs> no, and uh, I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to count the number of times they refer to you as. Wait, is this a new story? Yeah, or, this will be a new story. Okay, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Like it, no, ha- if it, no, if it yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see how many times they call you Mister Gaffigan. That, uh, Mister. That, that's my favorite thing about the New York Times. Yeah, there's a form uh, like, formality. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, there's something weird also about you do an interview and. The the most well intended journalists will get details wrong. Yeah, even though the New York Times is not supposed to. Yeah, but they've made some mistakes in the in the past. Yeah, I'd say that uh, I don't know that Gulf War that was a mistake, right? Yeah, and then what was that guy? Jason Blair was that his name? Oh yeah. Well, there was a couple of those. Was there? There was more than one, huh? Yeah. Well, there was one. There's there's the plagiarism thing. Is oh, right. Kind of gone everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't really read the liberal media. You don't, huh? But no. I so just, you're a little I'm Fox Newsy. No. No, you're not Fox Newsy. I listen, you know what I listen to? I, I listen to the POTUS channel on Sirius XM. Oh, you do? Big is fan. with... Uh, isn't there a comedian on there? Pete Dominic. He Pete was Dominic. on it for years, and now he's he's gone to a different channel. But that that's... That's some good stuff. You Un- like it, huh? Unbiased. Uh, give you, they give you the news. They give you. It's unbiased. It's, how do you, how do you deliver the news with complete objectivity? They do it. Oh come on! They bring. They really That's, do. Isn't I that the lesson of you. Fox News that no one is objective? I swear. I mean, I'm not saying there's a left wing conspiracy or a right wing conspiracy. I'm just saying human beings are flawed. They they are, but I think if you're... Have you seen John Fugelsang's uh, current show? I haven't. I've heard him on POTUS, though, every once in a while. Yeah. I saw him do a, a thing last night. It was pretty impressive. I, I think you can, if you commit yourself to being unbiased, um, you know, in the morning they have a news a news yeah. show. They bring on, you know, call-in guests. They interview the guests. It's yeah. unbiased. It's just information gathering. They, you know, it's they can do it. I think you're wrong, but okay. go on. 
All right. I think it's impossible to be completely <laughs> objective. I think you aspire to be objective, but I think that's impossible. Do you um, do you subscribe to SiriusXM? I do not. Okay. I should get on that. Well, if you do, give it a give it a shot. Well, I don't listen to the radio. Okay. I should. I don't listen. You know, you, sh- you shouldn't. You shouldn't do anything you don't want to do, Jim. I, no, I want to be cool. F that. I want to be light. I'm pretty sure I'm not. Light. I'm pretty sure I'm not cool for. I'm not not cool. I'm, what am I trying to say? I don't think I'm cool for listening to Sirius XM. Well, I think that's. I think that's very cool. <laughs> no, I'm sure you and the other person that listens to it are very cool. <laughs> um. I <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to ask you uh, how the um your last uh your last special yeah uh Mr. Universe yes um you did uh you did a little combination of the uh direct to fan model yeah um so I wanted to I wanted to, to um how did that go was it was it was it was it a, a success it was a pretty big success yeah it's it's a strange um thing to consider because obviously based versus the original model mm-hmm. which is selling it to a network um it was uh way more lucrative mm-hmm. but uh versus louis making a million dollars in like four days, days or whatever it was yeah <laughs> it was it was not that sure but there was also something of then I also then sold it to Netflix, right? Which was very um, good for me. Yeah, but I don't know. It's weird because I think that timing is is so it, it, things are moving so fast. So you know, the download it's still on my website, mm-hmm. and um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm still I'm still interested to see what if any impact the book will have on my career. I mean, there is something about, I don't have an expectation that uh, it will change my career, but there is, you know, there are some people that will probably be introduced to Jim Gaffigan through the book, maybe. Sure. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, depending on um, Sunday New York Times, that that's for the book, correct? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I, I'm assuming you're going to be, be doing some more mainstream uh, press and I mean it's it's so universal. I mean, I mean not to not to call this a, a you know a product or or a brand, but yeah. I mean parenting is yeah no that is a huge yeah a huge business and uh, I mean uh, believe me I was very reluctant. I mean to set it up it's you know when I started stand up and I would see comedians talk about their wife and kids mm-hmm. I was you know twenty six and I would be like please. You know, I'm not interested. I can't get a date. Don't talk about your wife and kids. Right. So I always promised myself that I wouldn't let my act become me just talking about my kids. Mm-hmm. That I, I, you know, and I always wanted my act to have a, 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 a universal appeal, meaning everyone in the room could understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've I, I've always had in the past three specials, I've had maybe four or five minutes talking about my kids but twitter you know as as an instrument of creativity kind of prompted me to just tweet comments about my kids where i i didn't i felt like i didn't have to censor it mm-hmm. 
Whereas if people come to a stand-up show, I want them to be entertained as versus on Twitter. It's free. You know, here's my obser- here's my cute right. observation about parenting. Right. But what I saw on Twitter is that people were definitely responding. Other parents were responding or other people that babysit were responding on yeah. some of these observations about kids. And so that kind of prompted this idea of doing a book about parenting. And then I spent, you know, a year or two because I didn't want to do a bad book. You know, I, I naively, I, I thought, you know, I want to do a book where I'm on the Daily Show talking about it. <laughs> right. So I had to get to the point where I'm like, look, you're not going to be on the Daily Show talking about a book. <laughs> so grow up. But I, um, and then I, I was focused on, you know, what type of parenting book could I do and where it would be honest and funny. Right. Because I think some of them, some of the parenting books, I just... You know, either, you know, it's like people are just like, my life is so interesting. (laughs) It's just all about me. So initially when the book proposal was had less autobiographical stuff in it because I I had read so many parenting books where I was like, look, I'm not going to talk about myself. I'm just going to talk about observations about these topics that have to do with parenting. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm doing. And the publisher was like, people want to hear about yeah. your experience. Yep. So then Jeannie and I, obviously I, I wrote the book with Jeannie and she turned a lot of my drips and drabs into, you know, readable English. And so um, that's how it ended up to be the masterpiece. It's, when it, do I get my Pulitzer? I don't, um, I don't know. When do the Pulitzers? I, I can get a Peabody for that, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Because, you know, Portlandia got a Peabody. You could get a... When it went... I think Louis got a Peabody. He, yeah, he did. You're a journalist. What is... what? A, why would a television show get a Peabody? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I should know. Yeah. I really should. The reason I don't know is because I'm not getting a Peabody. Any, well, one day you will. Anytime soon. One day you will. Um... <laughs> Um, why no, this, this was my first question yeah. upon looking at this book. So yeah. we're looking at the cover now. Dad is fat. Why no, uh, incredibly long subtitle like every other book. Oh, that's so funny. I, there was a lot of interest in doing that from my publisher. And I was like, why do we need a subtitle? And they're like, <laughs> well, to explain to people what it is. And I was like, well, people that are going to buy this are going to know my point of view and going to hopefully figure out that it's about parenting. Dad is fat. Yeah, and they might also just do this but little it's action. It's interesting. They flip, flip. There was a lot of interest in doing the long subtitle. Of course. Like Marin's new book, does it have a long subtitle about like what's... I'm, I'm, uh, Actually, how I, I started a podcast in my garage. And I don't think so. I only have the galley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got a title. I don't think it's got a, a subtitle. Maybe that there's a trend moving away from that. Another thing that I was I thought was interesting, but it's not interesting for this podcast, is that would when I was stop, doing this, would you stop, stop doubting yourself? You're going to convince everybody that they're wasting their time here. <laughs> was that when I did the uh, the book? I was like, so do should I? Because I've, you know, Michael Ian Black, people that have done 
books and books and books sure and uh people that have done books they're like hey can i have a quote for my book and yeah. i'm like yeah all right fine but they never asked me to do that and i was like why and they're like you know you don't need to do that I never understood that. Like I never understood it. Like, well, I guess I'll read it. You know, <laughs> yeah, Tina, because they got Tina their... Tina read it. They got their... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and any rational person knows that those people didn't read the book. Right. Or they read, like, a chapter or yeah. two sentences. Like, I never understood why um, getting blurbs, blurbing. Can I get a blurb? A blurb. So what would... Let's make up a subtitle. Dad is fat. Colin. You know, initially I want the book title that I had in an earlier version of it was The Narcissist Guide to uh, Parenting Young Children, which is what I feel because, you know, I came from this standpoint of viewing parenting as this, uh, and I talk about it, it's just like this voluntary enslavement. You know, why would someone do that? And yeah. And what I think that book kind of talks about, obviously, I, you know, you can see some of my selfishness and sarcasm, but the benefits of parenting are pretty profound. I mean, they may, you know, I think each of my kids has made me a better person, but you know, it's weird because there's also the parenting book. I don't want people to think that it's the, a sappy book and I don't want people to think that it's a, you know, uh, I hate parenting. Kind of yeah. Thing. No, not at all. Okay. Not at you all. You loved it. I did. I, I really did. Um, I, I think it's a positive book without being super schmaltzy or no. super corny. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's uh, I underlined parts that I that I like that made me feel better about myself. Yeah, I know you saw. I saw your vine about that. Now, what do you mean? You're like, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, well, at least I'm not as dark as Gaffigan is. No, 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 no. It's it's hey, this person is writing something that I can relate to. It, you know, it's not just me. I shouldn't feel bad about yeah. feeling this certain yeah. way. Um, like this little thing. Um, to be wait, I'm, I'm, Now I'm reading from Jim's book, oh. uh, everybody listening. Oh. When I didn't have kids, I didn't get it, and I shouldn't have, and this is the line I like. I, I, I had never fought in the Vietnam War and had dinner in Paris on the same day. That's so true, isn't it? And that's 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 how I explain it to people that don't have kids. It, there's no middle. There's no middle ground. You either uh, you either want to hug and kiss your kids, or you want to you know run out of the house screaming. Right. <laughs> yeah, and there's but there's and it's it's an experience that you can't articulate because all the cliches have destroyed it. It's it, and and that's the case of when people hold their own baby, and they're like, huh, you know, it was like, you know, well, this and that, and I teared and all that. I mean, I never cried holding one of my kids, but it's it's weird. It's and again, I think it goes back to we're animals, yeah, <laughs> you know, and there's something primal and strange and and um something that we don't understand about it and you know there's something in our culture about um you know khalil gibran you know said you know they're on loan to us and you get it as a parent you're like he nailed it mm -hmm. it's like oh my gosh this is this is something i can't mess up and even if you try your best because i do believe that really well-intended parents 
inadvertently mess up their kids. Sure. But if they hadn't tried, you know, their kids might have been messed up anyway. So what I'm saying is don't try. <laughs> <laughs> Just give up. I'm going to let I'm going to tell my wife that you told me not to try. And uh I think I think we'll all be better people for it. Um Jim, I'm going to let you go, buddy. Okay, thank you. This has been um this has been enlightening. This has been a laugh spin production. This has been a laugh spin production. Well, can it's you been fun. Can, can you say um, you've been listening to the Laugh Spin podcast? You've been listening to Laugh Spin's podcast. You, this is Jim Gaffigan, and you've been listening to the Laugh Spin podcast. Brought to you by Dylan Godino. Jim, thank you, Jim. Thank you for for taking the time. Thank you. So I appreciate. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming in and uh, making this easy for me. This is this is great. Can I live here? You can live here. Cool. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. And there you have it. Thanks again to Jim Gaffigan for chatting with me. Go out and buy Jim's book. It's called Dad is Fat. It's in stores and online May 7th. Father's Day is around the corner. Go out and buy it for your father. Or or buy it for a guy who looks like your father. Or buy it for a guy you really like who you wish was your father. Just go out and buy it. You will not be disappointed. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed to the Laugh Spin Podcast, please do so. You can do it on SoundCloud, on iTunes, or on Stitcher. If you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to do that. You can email me at dylan at laughspin.com, D-Y-L-A-N at laughspin.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at laughspin.com and on Facebook and Tumblr. And you should also be checking out laughspin.com every day, many times a day, for a constant stream of comedy news, videos, interviews, both audio and written, and so much more. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time on the Laugh Spin Podcast. See ya. Laugh Spin.